Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Well, I've got some good things to share with you today, and, and it's going to bleed over into next Sunday before we start the family series on the 19th. And we're going to be looking at a familiar story, but maybe uh, find some things that you haven't seen and, and look into some things on the life of Samson. Um, Samson, for the most part, when his story is told, almost every time it's a negative story. It is bad news. It's a, uh, it seems like the religion seems to focus on the sin factor more than anything else. You know, and so they like to preach that message of sin will take you long, further than you wanted to stray. It'll cost you more than you wanted to pay, and it'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And even all, all those things are true about sin, but it's not everything there is to the life of Samson. This is a powerful man. And in Judges chapter 13 through 16, we read his story, and then you don't hear, see his name anywhere else in Scripture except in Hebrews chapter 11. So we're going to start there and look at this passage of scripture. And what we're going to do is we're going to draw some parallels because really Samson is more like Jesus than he is rebellious. And uh, there's some great attributes and likenesses between the two, these parallels, these mirrors where Samson is a type of Christ. And then there are truths in there that we're going to pull out to apply to our daily lives. Okay. Are you ready for this? Okay. Verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11. And what more shall I say? For time would, the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Now these four guys were four of some of the judges in Israel that you can read about in the book of Judges. Okay, Also of David and Samuel and the prophets, verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Of all these things that are mentioned here, there are 11 things that are mentioned here, 11 actions that took place through these people Eight of those 11 were through Samson. Eight of them. And so I, I think that there are many things about his life that have just been overlooked. Some beautiful, wonderful, powerful truths and stories. Samson subdued a kingdom. Samson worked righteousness. Samson obtained promises. He stopped the mouth of a lion, and we'll read about that in a moment. He escaped the edge of the sword. He, out of weakness, he was made strong. Don't forget, don't ever... Don't be deceived to think that he looked like a weightlifter or a power or like Josh back here. I don't, Samson didn't look like Josh Munger, all right? Because the people ask the question, where does he get his strength? You don't ask that about Josh Munger. It's obvious, right? I mean, it's just muscle on muscle. If, if Samson was a big muscle bodybuilder, then they wouldn't have any questions about why he's so strong. But I have a feeling Samson was a very ordinary looking man with ordinary strength except the Spirit of God was on him. And out of weakness were made strong. He became valiant in battle, and ultimately he was tortured not accepting death. Uh, not accepting deliverance, I should say. <laughs> Fully accepting death. And, and, and religion is just this one-trick pony when it comes to the life of Samson, and there's so much more to 
his life. As I said, there's really more, it looks more like Jesus than it looks like rebellion. And uh, so let's go to Judges chapter 13. We're going to look through several scriptures this morning, but stay engaged with me, and I promise you, you won't be sorry you came. It'll really bless you today. All right? Come on, tell your neighbor, stay awake, stay engaged, stay off Instagram, Snapchat, whatever else you do. Verse 2 of Judges chapter 13, Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. Verse 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Anybody starting to hear something familiar? Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink. Similar is strong drink, actually, uh, literally. Nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be, called, shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. This tells us something about Samson, doesn't it? It tells us that he was special, that Samson would not have an ordinary birth and no doubt would not be an ordinary man. Uh, and his mother had the same vow on her that he did. Now, Samson did not make this vow with God. God made this vow. Before Samson ever even came into the world, God made this vow himself and, um, for him and his mother. Now, we're going to parallel this now and look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man. Betrothed just means engaged, in case you didn't know that. Whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I love that word favor. It's the Greek word charis, and it means undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor. You have found this with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now I want us all to read verse 37 together. Ready? Read. For with God nothing will be impossible. Come on, let's say it again like we believe it. For with God nothing will be impossible. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. What we can take from these two special birth announcements, these two uncommon births, unique, is that the new birth is a supernatural occurrence, but anyone can have it. Anyone can experience this special and most unique birth. 
Jesus said, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. We call it the second birth or born again, not of flesh, but of the spirit. You can have a supernatural experience where you're born anew on the inside. I thank God for that. Born brand new. Old things passed away and all things are made new. Amen. You can be saved today. You can be free today. Amen. Maybe you're not. I don't know if you know God today. I don't know some here that might not have a relationship with God. You've not received this free gift of salvation. You've not received this new birth. Hey, don't leave here today without getting that done. This, you're going to have an opportunity to do that today, and it will completely and totally change your life. I thank God I am supernaturally saved. I'm not saved by my own merit, by my own works. My wife can attest to that. I'm saved by grace. A supernatural God came and found me and gave me a supernatural encounter with him, and it changed my life. And I know many of you have the same testimony, and if you're here and you don't have that testimony, you can have that testimony today because God loves you. He came to save you. And you know what the thing is about this new birth is that you'll stop trying to be good and you'll just be good. Yeah. Amen. There are a lot of people in this world, and that's, that's what's tr tr the trouble with this world is that mindset. Yeah. People trying to be good, the problem is they're not good because they don't have that new nature on the inside. Yeah. Right? But the new birth takes care of that. Faith in Jesus takes care of that whole deal. Yeah. Makes you new, brand new. He doesn't just refurbish you. He makes you brand new. Amen. You're not just some trumped up version, trumped up, up version of what you were. Thank God for our president. I thank God for him. We need to pray for him. Amen. I'm not here to tell you to vote for him. Please don't take that as a political statement. Or I'm just talking as an American. We do, and as a Christian American, we need to pray for our leaders. Okay. Whoever that be. There's a difference in being good and trying to be good. Being made good versus trying to be good. See, Jesus came and got right down to the root of our issue, and it was our condition. It wasn't our actions. Our actions were just the symptoms to the bigger problem. We were dead in sin, but he made us alive together with him while we were dead in our sins. Woo! And it's supernatural. It's supernatural. Look, look at Judges 14 now. We'll take it to another place in Samson's life. Judges chapter 14, verse 1. Now, Samson went down to Timnah. Everybody say Timnah. All right, it's a good word. Timnah is an interesting word. It, it means portion, but it also means an image or a figure of something else. So let's, let's see it like that, an image or a figure of something else, okay? So Timnah is an image. And saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the who? The Philistines, all right? Now, these are Israel's number one foe, especially at this time. And you know they were during David's time as well. He killed Goliath, the great Philistine giant, with a sling and a stone. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. See, when I, this is where a lot of religious sermons come, park at this part of Samson's life. All right, they, they, they only hone in on him messing around with the girls he shouldn't be messing around with. But let's keep reading because we're going to find a real powerful truth here. All right? 
Verse 3, then his father and mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistine? Samson, you know you're not supposed to be mingling with these people. You're a Jew. You're, you're a son of Abraham. We don't mingle with the Gentiles. Those people from McKinney, they're pagans. Especially those from Plano. Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> and Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. Look at verse 4. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. Whoa. That he, that is God, was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So God is setting up Samson by his will to go marry a Philistine girl. You see, this is an image. This is a figure of something else. Isn't that interesting? Samson was going to marry this Philistine girl by the will of Almighty God. That's what the Bible just taught us, didn't it? Indeed, it does teach us that. Some things in this story, I think, that's, that's what I'm talking about, that get overlooked, that you've got to keep reading. You've got to keep reading the Scriptures. You can't just stop at a verse and say, well, that fits my, my belief system. I'll stop right there and preach that, because there's always more to the story. Amen. So Samson went down to Timnah, verse 5, with his father and his mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. All right? So if, if Timnah means something else, then so does this girl. All right? Verse, uh, now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. I, nobody wants to have that experience, ever. Heather and I walked with lions in South Africa earlier this year, and that was a nerve-wracking experience, and wonderful at the same time. But I have to say that, uh, you know, if they're, they know what they're doing. These lions, they, if, if, if you, so, I mean, the rules they gave us before he walked in there made me not want to go in there. Don't crouch down. Don't turn. You know, don't make any sudden moves. I'm like, what if I do? He said, because they'll, they'll look at you and they'll pounce on you. So, yeah, anyway, thanks, Andre. He'll be here at the prophetic conference. He set us up to go, and we said, aren't you going with us? He said, no. <laughs> I, he said, let me see if you survive first, and then I'll consider going. <laughs> wow, thanks. To a surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. Can you imagine? But look at this. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as <laughs> one would have torn apart a young goat. Apparently, this is common practice where people are tearing apart young goats. I don't, I don't know why that comparison is made, but I guess it was an issue back then. But it says he tore this lion apart as if it was a young kid go. Imagine that. How, how the strength it took to rip that lion apart. Listen to this. But he did not tell uh, his father and mother what he had done. Oh, interesting. So let's look now. How is this right here a type of Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Was it? Here's Samson, the Nazarite, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. 
And what does he do? He rips that lion to shreds. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 also says <clears throat> uh, that he who sins, what does it say? 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Yeah. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. You see that? The devil roams about like a what? Like a roaring lion. And Jesus came to destroy the works and render him powerless. And he did. At that cross, he completely disarmed him. And he made a public spectacle of that lousy, lying lizard. Jesus said, remember what he said. See, what he saw was humanity in trouble. He saw us under the influence, under the power, the prince of the power of the air, the scripture calls the enemy. We were under his spell, and we could not rescue ourselves. We were in desperate need, and so he came to save us. And at one point, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Now, he's not saying I'm bringing a sword against man. He brought a sword for man to wipe out every enemy that was against us and to redeem us and to reconcile us back to God. He came here for war. And boy, did he ever kick, you know what, and take names. Because at that cross in his dying breath, he said, it is finished. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. You know what this says to us? Well, I've got to go one more place first. Matthew chapter 4. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I told the earlier service, you ever been led by the Spirit somewhere you didn't want to go? Yeah, but it's always rewarding when you do. It's always rewarding when you do. Sometimes he leads you where you, you don't want to go. He's done that to me a lot. But I'm grateful that I went. Next. You know why it says it like this? You know why it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil? Because there was nothing that the devil could entice Jesus with. See, he wasn't born with Adam's nature like we are. He was born with his father's nature. He had no sin nature. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he condemned sin in the flesh. He knew no sin. So it didn't matter what kind of bait the enemy would throw out there. It, I mean, it didn't even touch Jesus. So the spirit had to lead him out there to be tempted of the devil. All right. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. I haven't eaten in four hours and I'm hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And for the sake of time, we're going to skip down to Jesus' other answers to the temptations. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Isn't it amazing that every time Jesus, every time Jesus spoke back, he responded to the enemy he quoted the Bible. 
of all the things that he could have done. I mean, can't he do anything? Didn't we just read with God all things are possible? Jesus said, if you can believe in all things are possible, then, uh, okay, wait a second. Jesus, you've got all this power in the world, and you're quoting him scripture? Yeah, so that you'll, you'll know that you can quote scripture too. And all you need is that written word in your mouth. That's all you need. He came here as an example to show you how to win. Let me tell you something right now. The second truth that we're going to see here today is that you have authority to win in life. I'm going to say that again. I said you have authority to win in life. It is God's will that you win every time. Amen. But, but here's the deal about a win. You got to have a confrontation to have a win. You got to have a challenge to have a win. You're going to have to have a fight to win. All right, you got to overcome. But he's given you every way to overcome. He, as Jeremiah was saying, he leads us in triumph. He gives us the victory. Amen. It's a gift to you. And, and, and because of that thing, we have, as I've said before, we're not fighting for, to obtain victory. We're fighting from a position of victory already. See? But here's the issue. I, I've seen this. I've done this in my own life. And it's sad to see Christians full of that victory, empowered by the Spirit, not enforcing that victory. Just kind of taking life as it happens. Acting like they can't do anything about the situation when you have authority to win. Amen. You win. You have authority to win. Uh, I was telling the early services, I came home a few years ago when I lived out in West Texas. I was about 20 years old. And Two things that are a, a, a very present truth about a 20-year-old guy. He needs money, and he's hungry. I won't say what the other things are, but that's for the men's meeting. He's, he's, he's usually broke, needs money, and he's hungry. So the, uh, after church on one Sunday, one Sunday, I asked my parents if I could have some money and go to lunch with a friend. And mom said, well, I don't have any cash on me now, but there's some at the house. And she said, we had a garage sale yesterday, so I've got some in a Tupperware container on the dining room table. Just go in there and grab some and go eat lunch. I said, okay. So I go over to my, my friend drives me to my parents' house. So I get there. I walk through the front door, and I hear all this banging around, this commotion going on. And it takes me a, while, a second to adjust. You know how it is when you walk into this building from outside? You're like, uh, so I'm, I'm, my eyes are trying to adjust. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Now, I, I wasn't completely aware of what was actually happening because we the, you know, went to a church where there were a lot of guys who pulled pranks. So I just thought for a moment somebody was pulling a prank or something. But finally it dawned on me when I saw these silhouettes, I did not recognize that these guys were robbing my parents' house. And uh, so when it finally hit me, man, I just darted back there towards them, and I'm yelling at them, and, and they head out the back door, and I don't know where they're going, because out our back door was a little breezeway that went into my parents' garage, or if it went to the right, you went out into the backyard and then out through the gate, but I didn't see which way they went once they, I heard the back door slam shut, but once I came up on, they have grocery bags, paper grocery bags with like the mom and dad's VCR, some of you know what a VCR is, um, and, and some other, uh, some, some jewelry and some clothing and stuff, and, and dad's TV was sitting back there by the, by the back door. I mean, they were just loading up on stuff, and then I remembered my dad's pistol. Remember, he had a gun, so I got to grab the gun. So fortunately, they didn't know where that was, and I, I went and grabbed dad's pistol, and so now I'm, I'm 
walk out the back door, and I like to say, I like to see myself as Dirty Harry in this moment. You know, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world. And take a man's head clean off. I've shot this gun maybe five, six times. I really don't remember. But you got a question to ask yourself. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I wanted to imagine myself as Clint Eastwood, but I found myself more like Don Knotts. And I'm walking back there. Now, listen. You better not be back here. I'm going to shoot you. So I go into the garage, and I'm hoping to, I mean, I mean, every nerve is exposed, right? I'm shaking, and, and fortunately, nobody was in there. They had gone out the back door and were gone. So then I got a hold of my parents. Mom, Dad, I came in on some burglars in your house. So they get home, and they start assessing, you know, what's been missing, what's been taken, and a lot of valuable things. To my dad, the most valuable thing at that time next to his Bible was his remote control was taken. They, took it. they didn't take his TV. They almost did, but they took his remote. And you know what happens when that happens? You, as the child, become the remote control. You know. And, but, but my mother, she lost a lot of stuff. They took a lot of her, her goods. One in particular thing that they took that was really precious to her was a little, was some rings that she had inherited from her grandmother. And they were in a little red, a green velvet ring box, and they were gone. And, you know, everything else, you know, she said could have been replaced, but that little, those rings were really precious to her. But my mom, they didn't stop her. She went out. I told them, you know, what happened, and my mom walked out the back door, and she walked out to where they, the direction that they ran, and she said, Devil! You've been caught. And the Word of God says you owe me seven times what you stole. I don't know these men, but I know that you influenced them, so you're bringing back. My stuff, sevenfold. Boy, howdy, did the devil start working for my mama. A couple of months later, a couple of months later, mom calls dad. He's at the church office. She said, John, you got to get her. You got to see. The thief has brought my stuff. He gets there, and there are these, he sat walking later. There's boxes of stuff just everywhere. There's a new TV. And a remote that goes with that TV. Uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I don't have time to go through all the articles of clothing and all. I mean, nice designer kind of clothing and that kind of stuff. And then mom says, "Go, John, go look in that box. I didn't even look at it. And he's digging around and he sees this little Ziploc bag. And on it in magic markers written, and these are, these are all real. And it was diamonds and rings and bracelets. and ne- I mean, just awesome, awesome stuff. And they, by the... Their best calculation, by looking at what they had, it was somewhere around seven times what they lost. And a couple weeks after that, they were out of town, and my sister was taking the trash out, and she went around the side of the house, out the back gate, to put the trash in the alley, and looks down, and there is a velvet green box with my grand, her grandmother's rings all still in it. Listen, you have authority to win. You get that word in your mouth. You tell the devil it's written. You've walked over me the last time. You owe me. And if he's stolen from you, you command him to go to work and bring it back sevenfold. 
Listen to me. You have authority. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you have authority to win in life. Amen. You have authority to win. Woo, hallelujah. Can we do one more? Okay. Uh, we've been here an hour and 11 minutes. It's like half a movie. Okay. Judges 14. Judges 14, verse 7. Judges chapter 14, verse 7. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, remember the one he tore in half, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. And we can talk about that a little later, but that had to do with his Nazarite vow. Okay? Had to do with the Nazarite vow. Now, how are we going to parallel this to Jesus? Glad you asked. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7. <laughs> the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. By them what? By your word. By every aspect of the word of God. And in keeping them, that is his words, remember Jesus says, Keep my words. If you love me, you'll keep my words. In keeping them, there is great reward. I believe that the honey in the honeycomb in this passage is a parallel to the honey that was in that lion that Samson ate. This is the third, is this the third truth or fourth? I don't know. God's word is just as powerful in your mouth as it is in his. God's word is just as powerful in your mouth as it is in his. Samson teaches us that when you have a battle, the thing that you can hold on in your battles, hold on to, is the word of God. It will sustain you, and it will bring forth something sweet to remember it by. Sweet, sweet victories. Sweet, sweet victories. It becomes the word of God for you. You know what I'm talking about when you've been in a struggle, you've been in a battle, and there's a scripture that you held on to. You grabbed a hold of it with everything in you, and you quoted that word daily, and, 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 and you held on to it, and it was your life force. It was your life source. It, was, it would bring strength to you like nothing else and bring peace to you in a, and calm you in that moment of stirring, in that moment of turmoil, in that moment of a storm in your life. The word of God was there to comfort you, and then you came out on the other side in victory. And it then became your testimony. Amen. And the word of God became your word. Yeah. Right. And when that happens in your life, you can't shut up about it. You've got to tell somebody, not just about the battle, but about the victory. Yeah. The victory yeah. in the battle. Samson, he had that honey in his mouth, and he went and shared that with mom and daddy. It is sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. Praise God. Um, okay. Just one more. <laughs> Quickly, Judges 14, 14. We're going to see a, a riddle. 
a riddle by Samson. He told these Philistine lords, if you can give the answer to this riddle in seven days, then I'll pay you this, this, this. It was like 30 garments. and 30, You can read the story. But if, but if you can't get it, then you owe me. Judges 14, 14. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days, it could not explain the riddle. And really, for seven days, they couldn't. And on the seventh day, they got desperate and went to his girlfriend and said, we need you to get him to tell you. And then Samson said something like, you've been plowing with my heifer. He <laughs> said, real ladies, man. <laughs> Matthew 13. It's in the Bible. I'm just, I'm not here. I didn't write it. Matthew 13, 34 through 35. This is the parallel. How are we going to parallel that to Jesus? <laughs> All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables or riddles. And without a parable or riddle, he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Jesus said he told these riddles or stories so that you could remember them, but others would be blinded by them. He told stories so that the religious world would not understand them, but his disciples would remember them forever, and they would write them down so you and I could know them too. This fourth and final truth today is you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can understand the secrets of God. The word says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That used to be true. The first Corinthians says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Hallelujah. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. You have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank God for that. God's not holding out information from you. No, he's revealing things to you. As his children, he wants you to know all of his secrets. He wants you to know the plans of his heart. He wants you to know what's going on in the spirit long before it happens. That's how can anybody prophesy if God won't tell them what's to come? He is a secret revealer. And he loves to share his secrets with those who will seek them. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to, together. Thank you for these truths that have come to us from your word. Thank you, Father, for teaching us through the life of Samson and his parallel to the Lord Jesus. Lord, that we all have a very special, unique birth, a supernatural birth that comes to us through faith. Through faith in Jesus, believing that he died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. And all who call upon him, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, shall be supernaturally reborn, shall be saved. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us authority to win in life. You've given us your word. And we get your word in our mouths to believe it and to declare it. We win. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
that your word is just as powerful in our mouths as it is in yours because we are made in the very image of the living God. And thank you that you have given us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I told you earlier in this service, if you don't know the Lord, if you've not experienced that new birth, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Right now to receive him. To experience this supernatural occurrence where God Almighty, God Almighty puts his spirit on the inside of you. Changes your whole nature. Old things totally go away and all things become new. And at that moment, you become an everlasting living being. A child of the Most High God. Let me just say this to you. Today you want to be saved. It's as simple as saying, God, I want this. I want this life. I want this supernatural birth. Save me. Thank you that you have done it for me, that your son Jesus died for my sins and he rose again from the dead. I believe that. I believe that he died for my sins so I don't have to die from my sins. Thank you for that. And now I can call you Father. You're not just the big man upstairs. You're not just a God out there in the cosmos. No, you are my Father in heaven. See, this is what Jesus came to bring you. He came to bring you into a relationship with God, to know him as your Father. He wants you to have the same relationship with the Father that he does. And if you're here today and you need healing in your body, I want you to raise your hand where you're sitting right now. The anointing is here. The anointing is here to bring healing to your physical body right now. Who is that? Just raise your hand where you are. I want, I want to see your hand because I want others to look and see. And if they're next to somebody with their hands raised, put your hand on them. Just, just gently lay your hand on them because we believe what the scripture says that believers lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. So we believe every form of sickness, disease, pain, whatever it may be, we believe that when we lay hands on them, they are healed. Lord, we thank you for that right now. We, we speak life into these bodies. We speak life into these bodies now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. No disease, no disease shall prosper. No sickness shall prosper. No pain shall prosper in the name of Jesus. You sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction in Jesus' name. Destruction is now destroyed. Hallelujah. And the Word of God is teeming in these bodies, alive and well. Thank you, Lord. Those stripes that were laid on our Savior's back, when that first stripe was laid on His back, a fountain was opened up. A fountain of healing came rushing forth and is in full force today. Hallelujah. Flowing. Come to this river. Come to this fountain today and be made whole. All, all of you, all of you, who are weary, all of you who are in pain, all of you who are in distress, sick, come and be healed. Come and be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for it. We respond to your calling. We respond to this new covenant reality in Jesus' name. When we say, yes, that will be our reality. Not what we know right now, but what you freely came to give us. Hallelujah. A better covenant established upon better promises in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at 
onecausechurch.com.